your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome to Selk Grassroots, a podcast network bringing you your daily fix of all the news from around grassroots. This series of podcasts is called The Big Interview, hashtag stay strong. I'll be interviewing many people from around the grassroots um, community, matching up our football lives and our mental health lives and how much football can have an effect, positive or negative, on our lives. Let's get on with it. So today's interview on the big interview, hashtag stay strong series is Craig Nelson, um, a busy man, uh, a busy man indeed, I'm sure you're going to tell us in a minute, uh, first team coach at Tootenbeck and manager of, for me, uh, one of the most impressive Sunday league teams, uh, Kenningwell United in the Orton and Bromley uh, senior division, um, a team with... 50 plus years um, history now I'm sure Craig will correct me exactly on the dates in a minute um, but in South East London um, Craig's part of a of a team that um, in Sunday League football are, are almost royalty um, and um, I'm here to learn a bit more about Craig's role with the club and how they how Kenningwell itself uh, runs itself how you doing Craig? Ah man I'm good man thank you for having me no problem. Welcome to the podcast. We've had a few of the Kenningwell uh, lads on in the past, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's nice to to get. I mean, you're the one that they all seem to hold in in very high regard. So it's nice to get nice to get you on. Yeah, they're just too kind. Uh, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> really? But, uh, yeah. No, player. It's nice to be nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. So. This is going to be. Um, it's up to you how you want to run this up because some of these questions you, you could take with your Tootin Beck hat on, or you could take with your Kenningwell hat on. So I'm going to leave it to you. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about your footballing life? Yeah, um, I think. Well, it started very young. Um, I'd say I, could, I can't remember a time when I wasn't playing football. If that makes sense, whether yeah. it be in the block with friends, like at a very young age out from seven o'clock in the morning, bugging my mum, can I go yet? Can I go? Is it too early? <laughs> um, literally playing lockdown ginger and all my friends' doors to get them out and play football on the goal, uh, on the wall, um, with painted goals, to right up to, to now, really. So um, it's been a huge part of my life. I think from that young, my dad always played football, so um, I just followed him everywhere. So he used to take me everywhere with him when he was playing. So I think it, it was born from probably that. Yeah. Um good player. As a Yeah, he was very good. Very very good player. Um did played up front uh and then as he got older he played center mid and then when he played vets he didn't really move much from the center circle but had very good feet and could find a pass and <laughs> hit a good free kick and uh, into the back of the net more than more times than not. So yeah, very good player. Um so yeah, started from there I think as a youth uh, was in the the like pro circuit as a kid. Played for Palace. Yep. Um, played for I was I don't know Arsenal development probably I don't know I, if I, at that age things were changing so much you just never know what was going on at that time. Yeah. But it was like young. I'm talking about like nine, ten. Okay. Um, when you played quarters rather than pro- 
proper matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, was there for like a year. Then fell out of that circuit for a little bit. Um, then got picked back up by Brentford. I would say I was about 13. Um, was there for about a year and a bit. And then moved on to Gillingham. Was there for quite a while. Um, that's where I thought, if anything, that's where I thought I was going to make it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was there for a while. Everyone around me getting released. Um, as a trialist, got given literally everything. Um, and then was in there for, for most of the seasons um, to come until getting released. And then, yeah, it was a, that one was a blow, I think. That one knocked me back because so I was leads, doing well there. That leads to yeah. a, my first question. How, yeah, go as, for it. As a, young, as a youngster, how do you deal... Mm. How I mean, you've mentioned some, some fantastic clubs there and, and yeah. um, to spend some time at Gillingham, not many people get to do that either. How do you, yeah, how do you deal with those knocks as a kid? Yeah, it's tough, man. Because um, as a kid, you don't really have much resilience. No. Um, we're obviously not talking for everyone, but everyone's walk of life is slightly different. You learn different things as you grow up and stuff. Um, was it resilience of when you were at of, school? Was it was when you was at school? Was it I'm going to be a footballer? Was that your dream, or was it? Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, hundred um, percent. That's where my head was. But my parents, not so much my dad, to be fair, but my mum was always like books first books first kind of thing yeah um you never know what can happen so if you're doing that that's fine but you need to put as much effort in to your academics as you do your football yeah um and she never really let me let up on that so when we was at even at Gillingham and Brentford and stuff when some of the kids were like going two days a week doing like key I would say key skills like IT, maths, English. Yeah. My mum wasn't having any of that. She was, she was like, nope. <laughs> he he's going straight back into school after training, um, and I, I lived like that. Literally training school, training school, training school. I wasn't being tutored by um, like the clubs, teachers, and stuff like that. I was literally travelling from well Brentford at the time um, into school. Into uh, I went to school in Northwest London. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to Gillingham, it was the same thing. So <laughs> oh my God. I was training in the morning, traveling all the way home. Um, and anything I did miss where the commute was getting a bit much. Um, one of my teachers at school was really good and would spend like a couple of hours with me after his time had finished yeah. um, to make sure that I was still keeping up with my grades and stuff, which was, it was tough, man, challenging. What? But yeah, getting, getting knocked back, I think I didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't deal with it well, but I thought I didn't know anything else. Yeah. Um, so going, I think I went back to play, just play, play football with my friends on like Sundays and stuff because at, at that time there wasn't really like, okay, you've fallen out of this, you, you can go here. There wasn't really much of an outlet. No. Um, as much as there is now, there's so many different avenues you can step back into the game. Yeah. Um, and what I found the hardest I think in terms of where, uh, like trying to cope with it when you get released from a club that you've been at for a while there's normally like a pickup game um, at the end of the season and I got released like there was maybe three or four games left towards the end of the season Yeah. Um, and I think it was because we generally asked the question like what's going on for next year where I was looking at um, YTS and first year pro and all of that stuff um, maybe a little too early uh, where I thought I was doing well we asked the question and then it was like, well, that same old 
uh, you're as good as but not better than what we have kind of thing yeah um and got released literally towards the end of the season so at the end of the season um they do pick up games for anyone getting released to then go back into football maybe at different clubs yeah um and for whatever reason i didn't get a phone call to go there um some of the boys that obviously got released at the time was like where were you did i always looking to see you and all that and um i was like i, I had no idea what you're talking about so it, that was kind of a blow where some yeah. of them were picked back up um by other clubs uh i didn't get that opportunity so i just thought oh, okay maybe football's not for me i'm gonna keep playing because i love playing football yeah but i didn't know another avenue of getting back into playing other than what i was doing before because i'd spent so long in the circuit yeah and didn't have an agent at, at those times like, not saying they were scarce but um kids didn't have agents then. yeah yeah and we had and we had football knowledge within the family so it wasn't or, or people that were close and uh, i grew up with and stuff like that we had enough to if that was the case then we had enough people around us to kind of deal with the next step right. um so it wasn't yeah i was kind of lost i think i would say at like 17 16 17 i was i was like what i don't know what i do now i've never had a job i've never had to to work at that that young age obviously i didn't yeah. set myself up for for life without football if that makes sense what was your mum saying to you this time after telling you to keep um, your head in the books what was she saying what was she saying yeah to you my mum my like she's she's very like well she was should i say uh she passed earlier this year oh sorry to hear um that. no it's okay mum. um but she was very much for me if that makes sense yeah so she would give me my space but then also guide my thinking she was never like uh i told you so or um it's good that you can get a normal job now she was never like that she was always well what do you want to do how do we get there type of attitude yeah um and i think that's carried through me as well because i'm very much like that now um and my dad is very much the same he's very supportive um would give me like the the devil's advocate bit yeah um so it wasn't just all like no one's a yes man um figure it out kind of kind of attitudes uh is what the family had so she gave me time to grieve because I, I was like i don't want to play i don't want to talk i don't want to go school i don't want to do no. nothing you know that that uh kevin and perry um attitude that's what <laughs> she used to say to me yeah uh i had that for a little bit um but then when the off season came um i was working hard just to get fit uh or to keep fit even at that age um and see what happened when the season or um the games started to come back um and she just kept me on that path like uh, just just whatever whatever i'm doing just make sure i'm committing to my like 100 percent um because if you do that and fail at least you tried your best kind of thing that's yeah. that's the kind of vibes that she was she was always feeding me really throughout life um because obviously there's loads of challenges that happen uh, for people or people in general. Um, and that was always kind of her attitude for, for everything. Very tough lady, man. We but always, I mean, like, we strong. All, yeah. We always, yeah. We, we listen to our parents speaking when we're teenagers and we roll our eyes and we, and we tut and we say, you don't know what you're talking about. And then when you get to 30s or however old you are or late 20s, 30s, however old and, yeah. You look back and you and you hear yourself saying the same things that your mum and dad yeah. used to say to you as a kid to your own children yeah. and you think bloody hell that that did that went in and that stayed in. Yeah. 
definitely. And that, that, I think that happens to me quite often. I remember um, my, my boy is four now. Yeah. Um, and I remember I think my son was maybe six months. And uh, I messaged my dad saying, I get it kind of thing yeah and it you know that just even those three words would have rung so many bells in his head to say okay like there, there are so many things as a kid you think your parents know or um because they're they're older you think they're they're your world aren't they they yeah they're almost your first teachers in absolutely every everything yeah um if you're lucky enough to have that obviously yeah um but there was me and my dad didn't see eye time and loads of stuff as i was growing up as a as a young uh, adult and we fell out for a bit and all of that stuff um and having my son and main, trying to maintain a relationship on top of that you generally don't realize how hard it is to and it's something you have to work at every single day yeah um and you can now understand why like Arnie sally isn't with uncle john anymore do you know what i mean so mm. that real life perspective it definitely rings it rung true to me after having a kid yeah definitely how did you find yourself back into the game um, what did I do? I think through that pre through that pre season of working hard, I went back to playing for Carib, um, who was my like Sunday childhood, uh, where I started probably pro- playing proper football um, on a Sunday, uh, and got picked up by Charlton. Okay, literally um, the best team so in South East London. Oh, there you go. Some would say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got picked up by Charlton. Um, I was, I think I was 16, seven, turning 17 within that season that was coming. Um, so I would have already been in my first year pro. Um, and yeah, I fell back in into love with it because the grounds, like the training ground there was amazing compared to where I was at Gillingham. Yeah. Um, it was it was the next level because at that time they were they would have been a premiership club. Yep. Um, Jason, you up front. Yep. And all the rest of it. Um, and yeah it was it was like okay cool so imagine i've been scouted from playing for again sunday football um and that's where i was scouted playing for gillingham as well i was playing sunday football for Gillingham uh, for carib okay um gillingham came down and decided to to take me forward um and yeah it just so happened to i went back there played like a pre-season friendly or whatever and just went straight back into the into the game so that was it was handy um but I have recently said on the interview there, as much as I felt I deserved to, to be back in the game, that felt like a step too far for me at okay. the time. Right. The players were better, the tempo was quicker, everyone was fitter. So you had to raise your game, otherwise you stood out like a sore thumb. And don't get me wrong, I held my own. Um, but to like the, looking back, the realism was I don't think I was good enough to make it at that step. Um, with the players that I was around like seeing some of the players that I know that were there that went pro I was like yeah I'm not there yet kind of thing was that the big Um, jump was that a jump too far from obviously Gillingham who were probably championship or league one at the time to premiership team it's just a massive jump isn't it yeah and I think what the difference is a lot of those boys had been there for years like we're talking about maybe eight nine so they've played that type of football yeah for like seven or eight years um i probably spent my longest spell was probably at Gillingham, which was like two years three years other than hopping through clubs but it's very different like the culture is different when you go to different clubs they play a different way training is different the whole like everything is very different so 
um, a lot of the boys that I stepped in with had been there forever. Um, and I think you find that with Prem clubs, a lot of the boys they pick up are from very young. Yeah. Um, so their, their unison and their tempo, their togetherness was very, very tight. Um, and it showed. It showed. And I just think at that moment, if you was to ask me if I deserved to go pro from playing there, I would say, no, I had good games. I played well. I held my own. But I don't think I deserved it at that at that level at that time. Okay. How do you how do you transition yourself? And I know we're going to jump forward quite a bit here, but yeah. obviously you've played um, semi professionally um, yeah. for most of your playing career, no doubt yeah. by the sounds of it. So how do you yeah. start? How do you start the transition, and why do you start the transition into coaching and into management? Um, I think it's it's a bit of realism, uh, and I mean that by a lot of people hold on to keep they keep playing because they want to keep going. Um, so I was like, well, I love football. If you, if I always ask myself this question, if I, if I didn't have to uh, go to work to make money to feed people, etc., feed my family and and live, what would I do? What would be my passion? Where does it lie? And it always comes back to football yeah. and helping people. Um, I get up, like that buzz, that feeling of supporting people into where they want to be. That is something that. Um, rings true to me it's like that's my win yeah if i could aid people into being where they want to be by whether it's conversations whether it's physical demonstrations or dragging them by the neck to say listen you need to to be here to do this because this is what you're saying you want that's mm. where i get my buzz from um and so combining that with football coaching is is perfect for me because you can obviously see people develop um or not <laughs> but you learn yeah. from that um, and yeah, football is just something. It's it's a uh, well. You ask any man that loves football, it's always the first love, isn't it? So, yep. absolutely. Um, combining the two together just goes hand in hand with the type of person I am. Really, I think. Uh, was it a smooth transition into into management? No, it's still not. It's still not now. Like, um, so I was playing up until last year. Yeah. Um, and then I was playing for Sutton Comer Rovers, really enjoying it down there. And uh, but they we train and and play on four um, G yeah, and my knees have never been good anyway, um, so I'm still currently like not fully fit or back from January of this year, which is a very long time. Yeah, so I can train, I can uh, I can probably get through about sixty minutes on grass. But they're blown um, up the next day. Yeah, but then yeah, my body's just in bits, and that is. I think it was due to playing so much on 4G and and not having adequate rest. Yeah. So, um, coaching and I was coaching down at Sutton first um, as a like player coach, mm -hmm. but I find doing the two very hard. Yeah. Um, I either want to play or I want to coach. I don't think it's fair to be trying to improve people or giving them some constructive criticism when obviously on the pitch people make mistakes I will make mistakes mm. um, and then it's looking to well who's coaching me I don't know it all do you know what I mean yeah um, but I can I can do my best to get the best out of, of the people that I'm working with that is the ultimate goal but I find doing the two very very challenging um, so yeah and it's even it's even happening now so this I would say would be my first full year in, in coaching Um that I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm relishing in it at, at two. And it's a great bunch of boys down there. Um, very coachable lot. Yeah. Uh, so that that makes it easy. Um, well, I say easier. Um, 
but yeah it's very different to the type of football they were playing last year yeah to what we're doing so we're learning a lot about and I say we in terms of the management team that I'm with down there um, we're learning a lot about ourselves because um, the style that we want to play isn't just natural to everyone therefore you have to be accommodating and adapt our style to fit the group of players that we have as well yeah um, so yeah yeah fighting those challenges but it's been good it's been good I've enjoyed it so far what does football mean to you on a day-to-day basis? And being that you're in with two different teams, I'm guessing yeah. it's a seven-day-a-week or maybe you need more to, more than seven days a week to get what you need to get done. But what does football yeah. look, what does it mean to you on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it's everything, man. At the minute, it is seven days a week. Um, and you know what? It's been like that for a while because when I was playing, it was the same. Um, so it's just coaching has taken over the playing time, but the days are the same. So... Um, Yes, everything. Do you know what it gives? I know. I know. Like we're talking, we'll probably go on to talk about mental health and stuff. Yeah. But it 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 has always been my go-to for release. Like you will hear loads of people say it. You step over the white line, you forget everything for the the um the ninety minutes that mm. you're there, and it's mm. the same. Like all of the planning that I will be doing and the sessions and all of that stuff. When you're immersed in it, you forget all about everything else that's going on and it allows you just to be present um in that moment and enjoy it or sometimes obviously if you lose you don't but (laughs) you still enjoy playing or being a part of the game do you know what i mean regardless of what the score is so um it's very like when we go on to touch about that one of my things that i will touch on is it's about finding your vices um and and understanding when you need to release as well um or need those releases so um, football definitely has done that throughout my life I'm from Kennerton Oval Brixton area it's not the nicest of areas but one thing that was very common in everywhere that I went and probably what kept me out of trouble to be fair yeah. was playing was playing football um, I used to get a lot of respect from a lot of people that were probably not doing the greatest of things out there um, so I was able to kind of move freely within those areas because I was known to be good in my area do you know what I mean yeah. so and it's taken me to, to some fantastic places in the world, but in this country as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so for me, it, it, I couldn't I couldn't summarize it in just one thing. It means absolutely everything. And I hope that um, I can transition that into my boy. And if it's not football, I, it needs to be something like that because I know that it will guide them into better places. Yeah. How much of your yeah. week is taken up by preparing for or taking part in a game of football? Um, it's probably every day now, I'd say, uh, with <laughs> both uh, yeah, with both uh, Saturdays and Sunday games because um, with my, my boys that uh, I manage with, so Adam, who is my first team coach at Kennywell, and Dino um, Carps, who you've yep. had on before, yeah, yeah. Who, who's come in as like, my, one of the coaches as well, Um they were playing Saturdays and Adam's involved uh, down at Barking and coaching down there as well. Yeah. And he coaches day-to-day um, at academies as well. So his life is very football-orientated. So we need to be selective and very planned in terms of when we have our conversations about Sunday. Yeah. Um, and we have to take that forward into my Saturday teams as well. They're very accommodating. Um, they understand that my, my whole focus on, on the days that we need to catch up have to be dedicated to specific times because I've got other things uh, going on with football as well yeah so yeah planning planning starts um, 
on Monday after the weekend games are finished and you, you have various conversations through the week, both with Saturday and Sunday uh, management teams and some of the boys, depending on um, selection or what's happened at training or if they need to learn from the game because we record our games to, to provide instructions to yeah. some of our boys so they can better understand what's happening during the game mm-hmm. uh, aspect. Um, so some of the time is talking to them about that as well. So yeah, takes up literally every every waking moment. So what is it on a Saturday? You finish wherever you wherever you are with Tootin Beck. You get home yep. at seven, seven half seven, wherever you've been, and then it's like you're checking the the Kenningwell WhatsApp yep. group to get availability or down to play yep. app or whatever it is that you guys. Yep. <laughs> you, that's, yeah, that's yeah, it, we, down straight to play. Away. It's very yeah, down to play. Is is, is a lifesaver. From when this has been good, I give feedback into them quite regularly because um, it just makes it easier rather than chasing texts and who's replied and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, so um, checking, checking, because obviously some, most of my boys play Saturdays, checking if any of them have been injured or um, are struggling or tired from the games before, because it's, it's all about keeping them healthy and fit, yeah. not overloading them, um, and just create the environment where they can be honest to say that. Um, and that's why we've got a big squad to try and do that. Um, so yeah, that those times sometimes just scrambling to get a few players in uh, because of injuries or whatnot, and other times it's like okay, cool, uh, having to have those conversations with the boys that have been left out of the squad. Um, my missus will probably tell you Saturday evenings, depending on what's happening around Kennywell, uh, depends on whether or not she can talk to me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and the same for Sunday afternoon if we lose. So. Um, Yes, it's, it's all systems go when the weekend kicks in. How do you deal with winning or having a good game? Um, yeah, I think just immersing yourself in the moment while whilst you can enjoy it with the boys, um, celebrate it, and then uh, I'm a thinker. So even if we, if we play really well and there's nothing to really correct, then cool let's deep dive in and we can stay out some uh, we we call it all day Kenny, Kenny World day um sometimes <laughs> when we've won so we'll we'll go into like when we could anyway we're going to like Shoreditch or whatnot uh after um party for a little bit um if, if we had that planned and we lost it just don't feel the same yeah so so we do that but if we have if we've won and haven't played well I'm always thinking what could have we what could we have done to to do better yeah but um I'm like that as a player. Um, I don't get lost in just having a good game. I'm thinking, okay, well, how many passes did I, did I misplace or where could I have passed? Did I pass forward enough, etc.? I'm always trying to self-analyse to improve. Um, so, yeah, it depends on, on that. I'd say how the win was won. But you know what? If it's three points or we're through to the next round or whatnot, you've got to enjoy those moments. Those small wins are very important. Exactly. What, what does mental health mean to you? Uh, it's, it's everything, man. Um, it's been it's been a bit of a taboo before, probably recent times, mm. um, and now everyone's talking about it. But it's something that I do uh, daily at work as well. Um, so it it it's very like I was saying before. It's very important to be honest with with yourself um, and the people that are around you about your mental health, um, because too many people suffer in silence. Um, I don't know if you've if you've seen it when I posted, but even this month for November, um, I've been running si- like up to sixty k for the month okay. to raise to raise awareness for um, uh, the suicides of of men. Yeah. Um, it's like sixty sixty men an hour 
yeah. globally. It's the biggest Every, killer of men under forty-five or well, something like that. There isn't you it? go. Yeah, there you go. So, and and I know as men, we're not the we're not very outcoming with emotion and no. stuff like that, and what bothers us. And um, a lot of the time, I find that we talk about stuff when we're already through it, not yeah. when we're going through it. Yeah. Um, to find that other people are either struggling or have been through similar occurrences just through maybe how we we may be perceived um but it, it means a hell of a lot both emo- uh, emotionally and um psychologically do you know what i mean it's yeah. not just about staying mentally strong for like reading books and doing yoga and stuff like that it's literally about showing your emotion as well because bottling up emotion regardless of what it is um is not healthy uh so it's understanding what your vices are um and how analogy that i like to use is everyone's got a stress bucket um and on a foot no- on a normal day when you're when you're fine you've probably got about three or four things in there anyway yeah um if i was to ask you what what you worry about on a day-to-day basis you'll probably bring up the same things i would money family yeah um health like a lot of people would say those three things yeah. and if they're all good that's fine but they're still in they're probably still in your stress bucket do you mm. know what i mean mm. um and the moment you start adding more in it's understanding what your vices are to to release that bucket to to make sure that it stays at a healthy level mm. um whether that's music whether it's football whether it's spending time with your friends watching a movie whatever it is it's it's um understanding what that is and using it at the right time but definitely understanding what your support network is as well um i'm not saying speak to everyone about your problems but definitely speak to to people that you trust um to keep what you're saying safe uh, and and try and listen and support you through whatever you may be going through. I like the stress bucket. I like that. Yeah, analogy. yeah, it's really good, man. <laughs> I like that one. Um, mm. Back to football. Is grassroots win at all costs? No, definitely not. Um, I, I was. I would say it depends at what age, but it's a tough one. You have to ensure that it's competitive because every young kid that's playing football is going to tell you they want to be a footballer. Um, I'm not going to go into the percentages of that make it into the Prem and all that stuff but it's not as high as probably people would expect No. Um, so there does need to get to an element where it is about winning competing etc I'm not for the oh yeah but they took part so they they should get a medal type attitude I'm not not for that but at a a young age it should definitely be about learning Um, learning improving um, adapting awareness of the game, understanding um, what and what it takes, and then hopefully, if you build the right foundations from that age, it then transcends into winning a little bit later on when it becomes more important. Absolutely. But I can't. I don't. I don't think I wouldn't like. For example, I wouldn't in the next couple of years, maybe like six, seven. I wouldn't want to put my son in a team where the coach just wants to win and don't really care about teaching or coaching my son or all the boys that I, I would see obviously there it, it can create a, a toxic environment because not everyone is built that in that win 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 by any means attitude they you have to understand the kids that are that you're you're coaching and how best they learn to actually execute what you're trying to get them to do um and it's not always just one way kind of one dimensional what about adults grassroots football is that has that become win at all costs i think you have to you have to be mindful of what all costs mean. <laughs> if if I'm honest, I think 
is winning it, is important. Is it dropping dropping players that have played in your in your Sunday team for fifteen years because a couple of lads come across from another team that um, that um, that are more successful? They you drop players and then you think, oh, we'll have them. You forget the whole ethos of your club, or it's just all we're here to do is win win trophies. I mean, you you're part of a club that's been. Um, a thing, an entity for what is it? Is it sixty years yet? Yeah, no, not yet. So I think fifty-three, fifty-three years. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. there's a there's a there's an there's ethical behaviour and there's theory and then there's all sorts of things in embed into that club all the way through. Yeah, um, so maybe you're viewing it from a different perspective than other clubs. Yeah, but when yeah, you, definitely. W- but go on. When you look at grassroots football as a whole, is it is mm. there too much short termism, or is that just where we are now? Because there there is a everyone's football career does come to an end eventually. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, man. I think football is about winning. No one turns up to lose. No, like we, we that's so that has to be there. But I think if you find the right attitudes behind what winning is and what it means, then and you get the right blend of boys and the team gel, then you will start winning anyway. So like no one, no one is gonna turn up thinking, oh yeah, I'm just here to have a jolly up. Yeah. Especially not at our level. What I would say. No. You you will have Sunday teams that we're all friends. Um, we've known each other for years. We've made this team just to do something together, and it's more of the day out kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't think there are many teams like that around. If mm, I'm honest. Not that like, many. Not not anymore. No. Um, Sunday football has definitely evolved. Um people will be dropping people for who's who's come in and stuff like that. Um, it does lose an element of the club. It definitely does. Um, but it's it's tough. Sunday football is hard because not many clubs train. Um, I would doubt that they do. The better ones probably definitely don't because the boys play on Saturday and train probably during the week. Yeah. So you've only really got your last performance to keep you in the team. Really, if you looked at it that way. Yeah. Um, so it is. It is. It is hard. It's tough to manage, and that's probably the aspect of Sunday league football I don't like because I actually enjoy coaching. I enjoy the training element and seeing it progress onto the pitch, where there's only so much in a team talk or tactically you can put forward on the on the day or a few days before. Yeah, and you're hoping that it clicks with the set of boys that you've got because they understand what you're trying to implement and and then the execution works but there will be times when it doesn't um so i think yeah it's it's tough in that way um but if if i had people in my team where i thought they're just here to have a jolly up with their friends and it just doesn't sit right with me because i think i'm i've been born to to win football matches Mm. like it's in me to do that like i said like it's not like a anyone turns up to lose kind of thing so for me it it ha- there has to be that hunger that passion that desire to to win games mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because mm-hmm. um, otherwise i don't i don't think you're in the right sport and that's why i mean from a young age there needs to be it needs to get to a stage where winning is important great answer fantastic yeah. answer how do you deal with losing or your or a bad performance or <laughs> or yourself not having a good game where do you go uh, i hate it man i hate losing i can't i can't i'm not i wasn't it used to be worse i can't take it even like unfortunately i'm an arsenal fan yeah, <laughs> you've got no choice then at the moment yeah well there you go like but <laughs> if I, I wind back a few years ago um 
if we lost, it would affect my whole weekend. Like, I wouldn't want to go out. I, I'd probably have dinner plans or whatever. I wouldn't want to go. My mood would be off until we played again. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cycle would just keep going because we'd probably lose again. But um, <laughs> I'm the same. Like if I If my worst weekend could be me playing and losing, Arsenal lose, and then me managing Kenny while we lose. That would that would write off probably my whole weekend. It, it affects me. <laughs> um, maybe not as much as in terms of like outward mood. And now I've got a little one. I need to be a bit more on it because he he don't care. He just wants my time and attention. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to to like suppress it a little bit, but it, it's the worst feeling, man. I don't know how to describe it. Obviously, everyone is is personal to them, but. Losing football games, whether I'm playing, watching, or or managing, it is it doesn't get any easier. What sort of day are you are you holding on to a, a to a loss in a week? <laughs> if so, if you play on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon and a Sunday morning, if you lost both games, that probably doesn't happen very often. But if you lost both games, what, yeah. what are you looking at? Tuesday, Wednesday, before you're focusing, or do you need the next training session to come along as soon as possible? Yeah, that probably Thursday. To be fair, I'd hold on to it because in the way that I'd be looking to set up would be to try and better the boys and the team yeah. so it really depends on who who are we facing next what are the expectations for this game etc do we get to right the wrongs from the last game because sometimes depending on who you're playing you might change formation personnel etc um, but yeah man it's it's hard to some some are quicker than others because sometimes you will lose you might be the better team and you lost to like a mistake or whatever um but i would say yeah so quite a while i hold on to it quite a while if we if we can get training on like a wednesday then it's probably then um because we're back playing football and you're able to coach it out of them um but if we've got a game tuesday uh, after saturday then it will be cool. That's gone. We need to focus. Um, we leave Sunday for like a low day, but Monday we're back to work. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, Sundays is harder because obviously you haven't got that training in between. Um, and then you have to wait until next Sunday uh, to write it, hopefully weather dependent. Um, games getting called off left, right and centre. Um, that, that loss does hold a little fire in your belly to write it for the next one. So that's the that's the overriding emotion though from from a loss is that you want to put it right as soon as possible. It's not like yeah. it's not like it hits you with a depression or you know not not a depression, but you know what I mean. It gets you down or what, yeah, what? It, 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 I think it does on the day. Like because some of the after a loss, some of the boys will message me, um, and I'm like even even in like an argument or whatever, I'm trying to process. I don't want to say something like the wrong thing. I'm trying yeah. to, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. I don't need to come back to you straight away. So I would absorb that. Um, similar to like I said when I was playing, like I want to, I want to absorb the game first and think about it, and then think, okay, cool. Now I'm ready to communicate and conversate because I've heard what you said. I've taken that on board as well, and now let's have a conversation about where we need to be at. Um, on, I'm not like the on the day person we'll, we'll chat obviously in the bar or whatever but it affects it definitely affects me that day um, and yeah new day new beginning and all that I think uh, it gets a little bit easier um, but definitely on the day it's not it's not something I enjoy do you record your games yeah we do now 
Yeah, so if know. you win, is it you watch it once, or and if you lose, you watch it twice, or do you watch no. it both? It really depends on uh, on how we win and how we lose. Um, but I watch them back, and if we if we played poorly, it's the hardest thing to watch, and that's both Saturday and Sunday, whether we win or lose. Yeah. Um, because you can't correct everything, uh, and I wouldn't say that I'm a perfectionist, but. Like I'm um, like brilliant basics is what I expect. Yeah. Um, from a from a like bare minimum, um, perspective. So if I see like a lot of basics, that basic errors, it it does become a bit frustrating. But yeah. obviously you can't output that in in terms of the message that you're trying to deliver back to the boys. So it really depends. Win, lose or draw, um, the analysis part is is the most important and with Kennywell we do it like D- Dino will do some ads will do some and I will do another bit so it's dissected um, but on a Saturday uh, we all take different things from it but where I'm planning sessions um, it's really about looking at the team fundamentals of how can we improve through a session that, to then deliver it on the Saturday so it's quite quick turnaround so you have to be um mindful that you're not putting too much detail in in the information and in the training session so it does transcend onto the pitch for mm. the following game Got you. so different eyes yeah it's, it's tough it's not it's not as easy as people might think no and watching watching games back you see so much that you will definitely miss when you're watching live yeah um even like the, you, for example we might have the ball um in a final third but where we were, where we're recording, I'm looking at my back four to see if the shape's right. Where in the game you're watching the ball, yeah. So you you might have a glance at oh yeah push around or blah blah blah, but you're not fully focused on that. But where we dissect it into into little bits, we're able to dig a little bit deeper. Okay. Are you into player psychology and all that stuff, or are you not? Yeah, definitely. It's very important. Um, you need to understand how a person works. That's regardless of football or not. Uh, if you're working with people to get the best out of people you need to understand what makes them tick um, and how best they react because I've been in changing rooms where you could absolutely scream at this individual or players or whatnot, and it will, it will uplift them it will boost it will boost a lot of them mm. um, but there are players that need a little arm over the shoulder or a little whisper in the ear or whatever they need you need to understand that um, and if you don't you have to look at yourself as well if they're not performing what do I need to how do I need to deliver the message so they get it do you know what I mean so self-analyze before just critiquing what's happening Um, so yeah player player psychology is very important how do you either the clubs that you're involved in Tuttenbeck or um, Kenningwell how do you help someone who opens up to you about their mental health issues Uh, you you just gotta listen um, and be present in there uh don't try to solve problems um, is what I would say. Mm. Um, I think as men, we try to do that. Like there's a problem, we want to solve it quick because we're fixers. Um, but you you just got to be there and, and then signpost when they're ready. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't need to be, oh, okay, you've done this, so you need to call this person and sort it out. That's, that's might that might not be why they're, they're confiding in you. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that conversation might happen on the second or third time. Um, when you're able to to open up a discussion about it a bit more freely. But you just need to be there. Um, And again, understanding the people that you're around uh, will play heavily in terms of what you do with that information and how best 
you can support the person that is opening up to you. Um, I'm luckily enough to be a mental health first aider. Right, okay. Um, through work. Yeah. So if I if I do spot signs and stuff, um, I have conversations with people, especially even with this pandemic. Um, people have been furloughed, people have lost their jobs. Um, different things will affect people's mental health. Mm. Um, Baker is amazing at uh talking to people yeah. and just having general conversations yeah. and even opening up up himself about little things that people might find trivial um he he's a very he's a very good pioneer and leader in that respect um and he has a lot of conversations with he probably talks to the players more than i do um <laughs> individually no joke yeah the guy the guy's one of a kind man. yeah um, he is. i know he gets his props a lot outside of what we do and stuff but the guy genuinely is his spirit, his person, his being is is next to none. Mm. Like you don't find many people like him. No. Um, but yeah, uh, he he's uh, someone that would tap in and if there's something going on, he might say, Craig, like, this has happened. Um, you might just want to give them a call. Uh, he won't open out, obviously, what they've divulged in, but um, I will just touch base to make sure that they're okay as well. So I think in terms of support, had I have not had the training I'd have, I would just listen and just try to be there for the individual. Okay, great advice. Um, what advice would you give someone who feels like they need help with their mental health? So say you're you're that two or three conversations down the line to someone opening up to you, what, what, what would you suggest to them then? It is to, to, to make sure they get it. Um, I, think, I think it's very important to... Uh, if they if they're brave enough to speak out because a lot of people feel they're going to be judged etc if they're brave enough to do that and they're in the place where they they need to get the support it's just about getting the right support that um is is going to benefit them obviously you don't know until you try it um and it doesn't always happen the first time so you might need to keep going uh to, to release whether it's just talking to people or counselors um, or sitting in groups so you're you're hearing people share their story which maybe get it gets it out of you a bit yeah you just need to do whatever you feel you need to to get you back to being a hundred percent because if you're not it affects a lot more than what what people understand especially in, especially if you've got a family um, or, or a partner um, but even more so if you if you are alone uh, where you feel like you're the only person yeah um, so yeah i would say if if you're if you're brave enough to to speak about it it's then about the next step about how do we overcome some of the challenges that um they're facing and it's about i think from the person that they've told um it can be very draining it's tough because you may feel um indebted or emotionally attached to the person's confided in you so you need to be there all the time but unless you are a trained counselor um it's about trying to push them into places where they can get professional help um, because otherwise you will carry that burden with you as well uh, and you might find that it starts to affect your mental health they may need to offload and stuff like that yeah. so it's supporting them to a point to then get the professionals to try and um, help them through whatever they're dealing with really that's a fantastic answer and I've been doing a, a, a mental health awareness course over the last yeah. well through lockdown and those yeah. are exactly those are the exact sort of questions that they they ask you about all the different disorders like how does it affect 
how does it affect the the sufferer so that the, the person yeah. with the disorder how does it affect their life and then yeah. most of them most of the units will involve how does it affect it, uh, how does it affect the family and a lot of it is yeah. that some family members or people outside of other people friends and stuff they try and take it all on for the person and end, and it ends up then affecting their own mental health Them, so. yeah 100% yeah this is even like with stuff at work and stuff when people go through trauma um, we try to support the person that is having to deal with the person that has had the trauma yeah um, but it's just that aftercare uh, just for those reasons because hearing stuff um, it will affect you we're humans we have emotions uh and you don't you never know what it's going to trigger because the person that the individual is telling will have a story a background um some form of of maybe issues or, or things that they may have been battling before as well mm. um unknowingly uh also so yeah you have to be mindful to the facts and um just seek the right help so say. one last question um yeah people the last few people that have been on uh these interviews and through the 50 podcasts in 50 days thing we did at the beginning of um, the first lockdown have said yeah yeah you know things are getting better people are talking about it and you're involved mm -hmm. in in a couple of changing rooms at, at least at the moment in the two different teams is it better are people talking about their problems or or are we really when it comes to a game situation or training or this group of guys or or people in a in a changing room are we not opening up or is it getting better for fellas to talk to each other yeah I, I wouldn't say it's in the environment um, I don't think it happens in the change room around at football um, but I can say that personally I feel that men are opening up more but I don't know if that is football related um, I don't know maybe, maybe it's just around the individuals talking about what they're actually what their issues actually are. Yeah. So, but again, that comes from knowing people. Do you know what I mean? It, uh, understanding the people that you're dealing with because there have been points where at football, I can see people's tempers are short or um, they're acting out of character. Yeah. So then I can have conversations like, are you all right? Is it, is it just here or is it, is there anything else that's wrong? And then they might open up a little bit Um so I think, yeah, in terms of opening up that dialogue, they may be more receptive, but I don't know if it's football that is doing that, if that makes sense, or the football environment. Um, I would hope that people have people within their clubs that they can or they feel comfortable to open up to. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the point that's getting better in football, is that we have more people that are trained um, to identify signs and they're not just taking outbursts as uh, he's just upset or he didn't score today so he's he's not talking to no one mm. do you know what I mean I yeah. think people are starting to clock on to the, the psychological aspect of that or actually is everything alright or has he just lost his job and do you know what I mean he mm. didn't have a good game today and he lost his job on Friday so yeah he's mad at the world but we didn't know the lost the job bit but mm. now we're actually understanding him and talking to him. Um, yeah, we understand that. We we can obviously try and support him as best as we can um, through that. I think those things are, are different. Um, and maybe that is credit to, to the clubs and, and the training that they're putting some people through. But if you were to ask me if it's prevalent, 
I couldn't I couldn't jump on that one yet. Um, I think we could definitely still do more. Um, and yeah, you're right. The awareness piece of it, people are talking about it more, which is great. I just think it needs a next step. I think so um, too. Yeah, by identifying key individuals uh, within within the club to have the right training to to understand and see the signs and be able to successfully signpost people into the uh, support that they need. An idea that one of the other the co-hosts on the on the Sunday League show, Jamie, came up with a, a great idea that as part of the standard charter or the charter standard thing, you should you could have a mental health champion. Uh, yeah. in, in every club you have to have that designated person that's, it might just be an online course like an, on an awareness thing that I'm doing now but um, yeah. just to have something like that at every club would be a huge step forward wouldn't it yeah most definitely most definitely and again you have to start somewhere um, and something like that would be would be very good um, because it, again it opens up conversations but in a smaller community um, where right now it feels like yeah, it's just out there if that makes sense mm. So it actually drills into the into the issues at every club, um, and if it, if that is where uh, we need to start, then that would be a great start. A fantastic way to end the interview, Craig. Thanks for your time tonight. No, more than welcome, man. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm hoping to get you back on with your fully with your Kenningwell um, ca- uh, your Kenningwell hat on uh, for yeah, the Sunday yeah. League show in the not too <laughs> in the not too distant future, where we can talk about uh, Kenningwell United. Um, yeah and uh, your prospects for the season do you want to give us a quick prediction before you leave no well remember when you were talking about win at all costs yeah that's what we that's what we need to do <laughs> uh, so no, always every every year the bare minimum that we set out to do is win the league and a cup um, so for us that doesn't change um, we, we obviously target the bigger cups so the one that we're currently holders of the president uh, and the London Cup; those are the those are the two cups that we would set out to win. Yeah. Um, and the league, we we always want to contend for the league, so that that's never going to change, um, regardless of who's in my position or who's there as a bare minimum. From instilled in in Kennywell is that those are the two things that we must do. Um, and if we don't do either, um, then it's it's not been a successful season. Baytees or Elmstead, who do you fancy in the next round of the London Cup? Uh, yeah, people were writing off Elmstead like they had a go game. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I found that a bit a bit disrespectful. But um, listen, Beatties are a fantastic club. I don't I don't know much about Elmstead if I'm honest. I think maybe we've played them once or twice when I've been involved. Um, but I've played Beatties. I've seen a, uh, a few of them um, play for other clubs. Very talented bunch. Um, from what I know of them, I think the expectation is that they win. But listen, it's cup football. Um, you've seen big teams go out of this to, to teams that people have already written off yeah. um, I expect it to be a competitive game and let's see uh, who we get doesn't it doesn't change anything for, for us we'll still prepare for whoever is on the other side um, but with, with eyes to, to, to win it um, we don't really care who we get in any round because we want to be beating the best teams about um, to win it because there are times when you can get an e- easier run um, in the competition to the final, but you've, at the end of the day, you can only beat who's in front of you. Exactly. So I expect it to be a good game. No, no, and and no, no doubt, Elmsdale will have some fire in their bellies where people have already written them off, so um, they've got a bit more to play for. 
we've seen it we've seen it in the past that people can make a cup game dirty for the, for these good teams that um exactly. ball, ball playing yeah, yeah. teams um along come the lower placed team and they can get away with kicking a team for 90 minutes yeah, and nick a goal exactly. in a 90 minute exactly that's that's the beauty of the game um you can't you, you can probably say who you expect to win who everyone expects to win but at the end of the day until the 90 minutes plus is finished um that's all that matters really so Let's hope both teams turns up uh, and gives a good account of themselves and made the best team win. Craig, I look forward to speaking to you. We can talk more Kenningwell uh, later date. Wicked. All right, wicked, Ange, man. Thank you very much. All the best, Craig. Have a good one, man. Take care. Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.